Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxenteco completes the message we started here yesterday entitled The Reconciler here on the program now. We hope that you enjoyed yesterday's broadcast. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Just look for the broadcast schedule there on the main page. That's reachingyourheart.com. And the name of the broadcast is The Reconciler. Please join us for just a few seconds after the broadcast so I can pass some other information along to you. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with the conclusion to The Reconciler. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Did Hitler do an awful thing? Yes or no? It was pretty bad, wasn't it? And how did you feel about that? No big deal? Or was it horrific to think what he did to the Jews? Horrific. Did it make you mad what he did to the Jews? Yes or no? It did. Is that a good thing to be mad about stuff like that? Yes. Is God capable of that same kind of response, but in a more holy kind of way? Absolutely. It bothers God what sin has done to His creation. It bothers God what sin can do to a sinless realm if it infects the universe. It is deeply troubling to God what sin has done to Himself in the person of Christ. The wrath of God is a moral response to evil that is appropriate because of the disease. God is passionately connected to removing the cancer while He passionately desires to save the sinner. And so we cannot erase this idea that God has wrath. His wrath is His moral response to evil. How is a person justified right now in light of God's hatred of evil? How is that possible? How can God deal with evil and save the sinner at the same time? How do you receive a right now righteousness that is not yours, but it becomes yours as a gift for the judgment day? How does that happen? How do you get saved and declared righteous by a righteous God today so you will not face what the Bible calls the wrath of God on the last day? How does that practically occur? Romans 5.1 tells us very plainly, but let's look at the context. Romans 4.25. Christ, who was put to death, literally in the Greek, parodidomy, handed over, given up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That means our legal acceptance. That's a legal term. It have been used in the courtrooms of Paul's day. Legally justified by the judge. It was raised for that purpose. Therefore, since we are justified, and here's the means by which it occurs in our experience, justified by what? By faith. You see, this is why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him, that means exercising faith in Him as a Savior from sin, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That the whosoever of John 3.16 should not perish. So Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is reconciled. Through Him we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Good things come because of the apostolic gospel. In the gospel we receive four things concretely stated here. 
Number one, gift number one, we are justified by faith. That means not guilty for the judgment day right now in your relationship to God. That's what faith brings when you accept Jesus in a real way. Now, I'm going to say what accepting Jesus is not. Accepting Jesus is not some emotional feeling where you treat Jesus as just a buddy-buddy friend. Friend, Christ is far superior to you. He is human, true. But He's your substitute and Savior. You call to Him, Lord. You bow down at His feet and you say, Jesus is Lord. And you accept Him as Lord. And you accept the gift of Christ in humility by faith. That's what saving faith is. Gift number two, we have peace with God. God is not at war with the person who bows down at the feet of Jesus because God has given Christ to save you. Gift number three, we have access to grace in Jesus What's grace? It's the goodness, the attitude of favor that comes from God. The favor of God who is righteous and holy is given to the sinner who clings to Jesus as Savior. In the gift of Christ, we have grace. We have peace. In gift number four, Paul says, we rejoice with hope for the future glory that will be shared with Jesus. I mean, life is not a dead-end road that goes to nowhere, friend. If you have Jesus, life has glory at the end of the road. There is a future that is promising in Christ. Now, let's summarize all of this in the negative sense. If you do not have Jesus, you have nothing. Why? Because there is no other name under heaven and earth whereby a person can be saved but the one who came from God to save us for God, the Reconciler. These are great things that God has done in Jesus. And we get them by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Faith is trusting Him to save you, knowing you can't save yourself. It's putting away that self-confidence that says, I'm good enough. I'll work at this long enough. I'll develop character. It's setting aside that arrogant attitude and saying, broken though I be and ruptured within, I lay the mess of life down to Thee. Save me for Him. Friend, God in Christ is the reconciler of the human race. Romans 4.25 says Jesus was raised for our justification. I recently got an auto ticket. Anybody ever get one of these? Tell me if you ever got one of these. Anyone? Don't you love that blue and red light flashing in the rearview mirror? Now this one has some drama attached to it. Every year I try to get out and have a camping trip with my son when they were younger. I took four camping trips a year with them. My son purchased a 2001 Forester, and it's been worked on gradually. And we had one loose end on this trip. The left tail light was subject to rain. The rain would get in there and blow the light. And that happened, sure enough, just before we hit sunset on our way down to Tennessee to camp out at Jellicoe Mountain. And as we're going, I noticed that there was this blue light flashing in the background. Of course, that means you need to pull over. Something bad could happen, right? You can feel the drama in the heart when you see that thing. The officer pulled over. He says, did you know you were weaving all over the road? We had a police officer who wasn't on duty watching you for about 15 miles. And you're just weaving. I says, well, officer, I guess it's pretty late. I'm tired. No excuse for it. Then he said, your left light's out, and I'm going to give you a citation right now for that. Awful thing to get, isn't it? And he said, well, you're going to be summoned into court. He says, well, there's good news, though. If you go and you get a taillight 
And you send it with the receipt and a letter to the judge. Then they'll just probably send you a bill in the mail or something like that. And those bills can be huge, can't they? Especially when you're out of state. I know that they don't mind billing someone in another state as much as they do people in their own state. So I was getting nervous. He said, furthermore, you really can't drive this way. Now, how do you get there if you can't drive? So he said, I'm going to follow you to the next exit. You are to get a hotel tonight, mister. And you go to bed tonight, and don't you travel anymore tonight. I said, yes, sir. Well, I felt awful. Here was this great trip, messed up by the officer. The law messed up the journey. The law said, you're guilty right there. I knew the light was out. There was nothing to say. Now, how many of you would like to get off the hook with the judge when you have a ticket? I want to get off the hook if I know I'm guilty. I have learned over the years how to do it. Would you like to know how to do it? Okay. I have here behind that letter a letter I wrote to the judge. I'm not going to read it all to you, but let me give you the essence of it right here. Your Honor. Now, you don't want to say, dear sir, or something like that. Your Honor. Every judge likes to hear the fact that they are an honorable administer of justice. I said, I'm attaching this PDF file letter with the receipt of the back taillight that needed replacement that the officer, of course, told me to send with the summons to court. And then I proceed in the letter. I explained to him the circumstances. But in so doing, I am very careful not to excuse my infraction. I pretty much say in clearest terms, Your Honor, I am guilty. For this, I am very sorry. I went out of my way in this letter to talk about what a fine and nice officer it was who pulled me over. How grateful I was that he took me to the exit so I could get a hotel that night. Talked about how I was on a trip with my son for the purpose of mutual character development. And how I was late in getting there. But I didn't cross the line to say I did not break the law. In clearest terms, I said I present myself before the mercy of the court. Without presuming upon the kindness of the court, I respectfully ask for consideration in this matter. Now, I didn't just write that as a single line. I wrote that, you know, in a way that would make them feel good about their role and would let them know that I am not usurping it. The final appeal in my letter was one for mercy. And then I end with much appreciation, Michael Oxentanko. Now, you're supposed to get a bill in the mail, and I was expecting the bill last week. It didn't come. So I finally called the courthouse to see what was going on. She said, you won't be receiving a bill, sir. I said, well, why? She says, because the judge threw it out of court. So I have a nice memory of breaking the law and of the mercy of the judge in my hand here. Not guilty. Friend, that's our problem. I mean, don't let some smart person tell you it's different than that. It's not. We've broken God's law. Everyone here has fallen short of the glory of God. Have we not? And we can play mind games with theology. It doesn't change the fact that that's the truth. And in the judgment day, that's what condemns you. In Christ, at the cross, God forgave you. In Christ, in the resurrection, God says, not guilty. If you have Christ, you are now reconciled to the God who reconciled you in Jesus at the cross. 
Friend, Christ is God's legal answer, His emotional answer, His personal relational answer to our sin. Jesus is proof that God is mercy. Romans 4.10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. See, God did something for you before you were born. He reconciled you. Not only so it says, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a kick in the feet in life's journey. There's a reason for the journey. Through whom we have now received our reconciliation. The reconciliation that you need was forged at the cross of Calvary. But you must receive it by faith or it does you absolutely no good. We receive it on our knees by faith when we believe in Christ and we say, Jesus, you are Lord. Friend, whatever is in the way in your life, it was removed by the death of Jesus so that the resurrection could be the foretaste of your resurrection. My favorite theologian put it this way in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 2. In Christ were united the human and the divine. His mission was to reconcile God and man, to unite the finite with the infinite, this was the only way. There was no plan B. It was the only way in which fallen men could be exalted through the merits of the blood of Christ to be partakers of the divine nature. Perhaps my favorite quote in all her writings, Youth Instructor, June 28, 1900, but the emancipation papers of the race have been signed by the blood of the Son of God. A way has been opened for the message of hope and mercy to be carried to the ends of the earth. Now whosoever will may take hold of God's strength and make peace with Him. The heathen are no longer to be wrapped in the darkness of superstition. The gloom is to disappear before the bright beams of the Son of Righteousness. Friend, there is no barrier between God's grace and your need, between His mercy and your mess. God's mercy is receivable. God's grace is transferable. God's goodness is imputable. And God's righteousness is able to cover your deficiency with His goodness in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave Jesus to reconcile you unto Himself. Now, How do we know that the world was reconciled at the cross of Calvary? Friend, Christ didn't just die for Christians. He died for everyone in every world religion. Did you hear me? There will be men and women in the kingdom of God who never heard the name of Christ, who are yearning for a Savior. They'll get what they have yearned for in the resurrection of the just. Paul says when men and women who do not have the law do by nature what the law requires in Romans 2, they are law unto themselves. Their conscience is excusing them or perhaps excusing them or condemning them on that day when by my gospel God judges the secrets of men's hearts by Christ Jesus. John 17, speaking of the past, he says the times of ignorance God winked at. He doesn't hold people accountable for what they don't know. But he says this in the clearest terms. But he has appointed a day whereby he will judge the world through one man, Jesus Christ. And this He has given evidence to all men by raising Him from the dead. Christ has overcome the grave because He's the life giver. God in Christ reconciled us to God. There are two very clear statements of the cross of Calvary that I believe provide the statement of proof from Jesus Himself that this was a done deal finished in Him 
at the cross. Luke 23, 34. Here is Christ's request. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You've read that before, haven't you? The second, John 19, 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Father, forgive them is one statement. The last one, it is finished. God says through the Apostle Paul, God was in Christ on that day. God in Christ forgave us all our sins, the Apostle Paul says. Paul affirms the truth of what was said and what was done by Jesus as the truth that will transform a life out of control. You know, this is hard for people to believe who by nature think they're good people. None of us are good. And we'll know it when we stand in the presence of a righteous God at the end of the age that not a one of us is good. And so God's mercy in Jesus found us where we're at. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Now that happens by faith in Him as Savior. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That means your life gets changed right now. Who you are, the status you have with God is transformed by the gift of God in Christ. Verse 18, it says, all this is from God. You can't make it happen on your own. You can't engineer a right now righteousness that makes you acceptable to God. All this is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. Now He means at the cross. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself. Now what does that mean? He explains Himself. Next statement. Not counting their trespasses against them. I'll just underline that. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. A forgiven person is a good ambassador of forgiveness. A person who's received mercy can share mercy. A person who believes that God has given Christ can share the Christ that is the basis of belief. So we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. What God has done for you becomes the basis of what you can do for others. We beseech you on behalf of Christ, Paul writes, be reconciled to God. This is the most important fact of what we need to do. We must be reconciled to God. What does that mean? It means we must choose Jesus because He chose us. We must respond to the call and not the kind of response that is a half-hearted response. The kind of response that lays the whole life at the foot of the person who literally went to hell for you so you could go to heaven. That's what it means. And have the love of God through the Holy Spirit poured into your life because love begets love. God gave Christ because He loves us. For our sake, verse 21, it says, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. What does reconciliation mean? It means that you don't have to prove anything to God anymore. You can't climb up to God in the rags of your own righteousness. Your works won't get you to Him. God has already proven Himself to you. The power of forgiveness is the power to change your life. Friend, God is not in the business of browbeating you into obedience. He has the power. He could do that. He didn't do that. I mean, the fact that Christ came the way He did 
that he lived the kind of life he did. He humbly submitted himself in death for you. It means that God loves you and God does not want to manipulate you into the kingdom of God. He wants you to choose Jesus with the evidence at hand. God has drawn you with tender cords of mercy to his very heart. The Holy Spirit draws us with the truth. God did not leave you to stand naked for the judgment day. He didn't do that. Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden naked. Actually, they were on their way out naked, and God put animal skins on them, typical or prophetic foretaste of the cross of Christ. But at the very end of time, the second resurrection, at the end of the millennium, the unrighteous will arise with nothing but their rags, which is the nakedness in which they cannot face a holy God. Friend, God has provided a robe, and the robe is Jesus. At the cross, God covers you. He covers you with a right now righteousness you cannot earn. How do you respond to God like that? That's the most important question of your life. How do you respond? You love Him. How else do you respond? You love Him. You submit to Him in faith. You live for Him, which means that you obey Him. Now, does that mean you're perfect? No. But you don't let your sins get in the way of the one you love. That's why you live a life of repentance. And you're accepted in that journey. And if necessary, at the end of life, you lay it down for Him because He is the life. Because when you really look into His eyes, you see love looking back at you into your eyes. Ukraine in recent months has been torn apart by hatred and division. You've been following that on the television set, any of you? I mean, this is a country that had anti-Semitism wrecking its internal works. You had religious bigotry going back and forth. You had animosity between political cultures. I mean, just a hot spot for bad things. Good people caught in the middle of a storm. A friend of mine, who I've studied the Bible with for a number of years, in a financial institution that is world-renowned, is being used by God right now to help that country put itself together financially, to put enough cash into the hands of proper authorities so they can rebuild the structures of a broken Ukraine. They have a need they can't feel, and he was there to help. In the middle of the mess is a picture of Jesus Christ in glory beside a wooden statue of Jesus Christ on the cross. The Christ of the cross and the Christ of the resurrection join in a single picture of the gospel. Below the picture is the name Jesus with an exclamation mark. And I had this translated. And it reads, Jesus, we trust Ukraine to you. Jesus, we trust Ukraine to you. No one can heal the broken heart that is not reconciled, but the one who reconciled us to God. Maybe in your family there's a division that you can't heal. Christ can heal it because He's the reconciler. And maybe there's a war going on in your own personal life that you can't win. Christ can reconcile you. Friend, do not be at war with God anymore. Don't give Him a hard time as He seeks to forgive you. Don't second-guess the grace that was given to you. In Jesus, God has forgiven you. God has reconciled you. And don't let some super smart self-made theologian tell you he hasn't done it. The Bible's clear he has. And friend, in Christ, 
is all the future that God has for you. You know, the right response is faith, joy, and love, and a submissive heart that grows in grace. Get on your knees, and you be reconciled to God for Jesus' sake. Lord, I pray today, there's not a public call that I'm making at this moment because the kind of decision that needs to be made needs to happen in a closet and then be manifest in public to others. It could be that someone here is saying, I'm struggling with this stuff. I feel something inside me. And it's not me. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. With everyone's eyes shut, heads bowed. Because how can we face a holy God without bowing before Him? If you're that person, you're saying, I feel my need of a Savior. Just say so in your mind. That's me, God. You don't have to raise your hand. And Lord, I know that we're saved by faith in You. Faith is when we call You Lord. And if you're that person struggling, and you know you need Jesus, you know the evidence is clear enough to be saved. I just pray in your heart right now, you'll say this, Father, in the name of Jesus, save me. You don't have to verbalize it, just say it in your mind. And Lord, we don't need to see whose hand went up or not. Keep them to yourself. Just send your prayer to heaven right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, save every single person who prayed that prayer, honoring Jesus, who gave everything for them. In Jesus' name, amen. That is going to conclude The Reconciler. Today's Reaching Your Heart. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Just look for it on the main page there under the broadcast schedule. Please stop by the worship service this Saturday at 11 o'clock. The new address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. That again is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. We hope to see you there. For Pastor Mike and everyone here also, please know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Lots of channels, nothing to watch especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.